0: Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Lives Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. All right, I'm excited to share with you a new book that just came out this year, actually February 2023, by Shanti Felden and Dr. Michael Seitzma. Dr. Seitzma was one of my professors and mentors and is continues to be um, in sex therapy and, and um, counseling. And so just very excited to um, share with you this resource that I think is one of the best books on sex and marriage that is biblical and researched. So it's got both pieces from a practitioner. I'm so very excited to dive into this. So here we go. Uh, looking forward to the impact this will have on you uh, and you thinking through where things are at for you and your spouse. Use this as a springboard for conversation. Um, here's the book. You see it there on the screen there. Oh, it's actually not going to show up on here because of the green (laughs) Uh, secrets of sex and marriage, eight surprises that make all the difference. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So we're going to go through the eight surprises and talk through the points that kind of um, that uh, Shanti Feldman and Dr. Michael Seitzma make um, in their discoveries in the research. So number one, there is a wide range of normal and understanding some very simple truths can help us thrive. Um, most of us care for our spouse and are trying hard, but often in the wrong areas. And so, this is actually meant to help you see that a lot of what we're trying is not working. So let's find new ways to make it work. So, number one, the uh, wrong assumption: we are not normal. Especially, my spouse is not normal. Um, we tend to get very judgmental of our spouse and and or ourselves. But the truth is, you are probably more normal than you think and so is your spouse. So many sexual issues are common. I personally say that every couple has sexual issues. It's just a matter of which variety is yours, because we're different. Now, you or your spouse might have a very good reason for not being part of the statistical norm. So use use normal as a conversation starter, not as a standard. And so here's an example of that, or kind of a way to think about this. So how often are couples having sex? Well, Once per day is 4%, less than once a month or never is 23%, one to three times a month, 28%, once or twice a week, 29%, and then three to six times a week, which is 15%. So the average among those having sex are one and a third, so a little over one time per week. So normal, It doesn't matter whether you're normal or not. It's where, where's reality for you and what are you doing with that reality in the relationship of your your marriage. Wrong assumption number two, having consistent sex or not doesn't really impact the marriage. The truth is regular sexual intimacy with your spouse really matters to the marriage. So three common factors here. are: First, a couple is much more likely to, to be happy with how often they have sex if they are having sex once a week or more. So it's actually, that's a very good measuring stick to know about what's healthy, um, but careful with the word normal. Second, a couple is more likely to be happy with frequency if they have roughly similar levels of of desire for sex. Many, if not most, don't. Um, but yes, that does increase um, the, the uh, likelihood and the um, relationship stre- stress, if you will. Third, whether the partners can communicate well about sex. That's a big one. Can you communicate uh, or are you not communicating well? wrong assumption number three we have a difficult time talking about sex but that's okay after all actions speak louder than words the truth is actions may speak louder than words but without the words you may not be getting as much act much action so people who are able to talk about sex with their spouse have significantly more sex people who talk about sex well are also far more happy about the frequency of sex as a couple and most important people who talk about sex well are also far more likely to be happy in their marriage than those who do not. So tension over sex often um, aren't about sex per se, but about a host of other factors running under the surface. So important. So that is the number one, or the first piece of this puzzle of the eight from the secrets of sex and marriage. Number two, creating a healthy, intimate life starts with what happens in your mind, not with what happens in the bedroom. So your first mindset mindset shift is from problem to vision. And so this is where it gets into homework for you. Homework assignment, create a sexual vision. How often do you want to cuddle? Do you want playful sex, erotic sex, functional sex, etc.? Or what is an ideal mix of each? What are ideal practices? Essentially, what will be fun, intimate, connecting, and healthy for you as a couple? It's important to, as we saw earlier, talk about this, make plans, dreams, laugh. You're not going to be the same. That's okay. Mindset shift number two is from believing the worst to believing the best. When it comes to sex, believing a negative narrative is far more toxic to the marriage than our actual sexual difficulties. So be careful with your mindset there. Mindset shift number three is from seeing bad heart to seeing bad skill. So we need to actually learn new things. That's where different manuals like Celebration of Sex um, by Doug Rosenow and others can be really helpful, but careful where you get your information. There's a lot of messed up stuff out there. Mindset shift number four, from my spouse is dissatisfied with my imperfections to my spouse finds me and my efforts appealing regardless. So important, the attitude, the heart. And mindset shift number five, from... Are we allowed to, to what's healthy for us? So, so important. Are we allowed to isn't going to get us very far. It's actually really potentially dangerous versus what is healthy for us. Look at the heart as you and your spouse decide together what is healthy for the two of you. And the last mindset shift from pursuit of pleasure to pursuit of connection of which pleasure is a byproduct. So helpful. These mindset shifts. All right, number three of the surprises. Our culture has a male centric view of what desire is and what it means to want your spouse. In general, for men, desire leads to sex. And for women, sex leads to desire. But as we saw, careful with normal, um, we're all different. So, fact number one there are different types of desire. So, what are they? Really important to understand this. If this is new to you, this could be revolutionary. If you've heard this before, lean into it. Uh, Listen here. So three types here, initiating desire, receptive desire, and resistant desire. Initiating desire, I'm hungry for sex with you, feeling that that kind of, uh, that's typically the person that, again, initiates. Receptive desire, really important one, open to sex, but for various reasons, simply doesn't think about sex as often and feels desire in a different order than the person with initiating desire. Uh, Really helpful, really important one. But then there's the third, resistant desire. Like a car with a parking brake on, or even in reverse, there's an active resistance. This is an unhealthy one. In 95% of marriages, at least one spouse does not normally feel desire and pursue it. So think about, again, normal. In most marriages, at least one spouse does not normally feel desire and pursue it. We've been way too influenced by movies um, in an unhealthy way. Fact number two, desire can be felt in a different order. So look at this, these numbers here. And some of this research is really interesting. So the majority men, 59%, I tend to be in the mood for sex and want to pursue it with my spouse. Whereas 24% for women, um, kind of even on the 13, 16%, if my spouse initiates or mentions sex, Or if something happens to make me think about sex, like a scene in a movie, that is when I'm in the mood. So that's actually kind of low, okay? Um, Women are more than men here. If my spouse initiates sex, I'm willing to get in the mood and eventually will be in the mood once we get going. Very telling. And then this low, really low for men, and then 21% for women. If my spouse initiates sex, I'm willing to try, but I still may not end up in the mood, even if we keep going for my spouse's sake. Um, And then really, really low. If my spouse initiates sex, I'm really not that willing to try. So it's good that that one's really low. Fact number three, we take on different desire roles. As we saw what what those are. Number four, fact number four, anticipation time can wake up a receptive partner. So that means we talk about it, we plan it, and the anticipation time can be huge for that receptive spouse. A fun prompt helps the receptive spouse to think about sex before they get to the bedroom. So it's not like just sprung on them, if you will. Um, it, that's where planning is, is really, really important for a lot of couples. And fact number five, how we handle a mismatch is more important than the actual physio- physiological difference. So what should we do? What could we do? Here's some helpful ideas. Be curious. Accept that your spouse's sexual desire is different, not deficient. Similar- similarly, accept that you are not broken. Ask your spouse about their desire type and desire role. Brainstorm solutions requires talking um, and establish an intentional, healthy pattern. So helpful. So, so powerful. All right. Number four of the eight things. Even with desire differences, we are not as far apart as it might seem, which makes bridging the gap easier um that we then we might think, which is really, really important, so point number one for number this fourth one conflict and distress around sexual desire is actually normal in marriage. Yes, it is all couples are go here, it's about how you handle the differences and this this conflict. point number two, a different level of desire doesn't mean a lack of desire Point three, we are not as far apart as we think. We both want connection and pleasure, and often in roughly similar frequency, but we approach it differently. Point number four: in many cases, both spouses want more sex than they are getting. interesting. Um, instead of higher desire person asking, "Why aren't you having sex?" we both need to ask, "Why aren't we having sex?" Point number five: overall, higher desire spouses are more distressed. Their lower their lower desire or equal desire counterparts. Um, so that's very telling about the, the higher desire having more distress and how you handle that's going to be important. Point number six, the lower desire spouse tends to control how often sex is happening and can use that for good or ill. So, so true. Point seven, the fact that your spouse has lower desire doesn't mean you aren't desirable. So important. Point number eight, we may deeply long for sex, but we don't need sex. Really good. We don't need sex. But point number nine, withholding sex because it isn't a need is incompatible with a loving relationship. And point 10, desire isn't a static thing. It's going to ebb and flow and change throughout our lifetime for him and for her. Sexual activity stimulates sexual desire. So one principle that often works is if you want to want sex, have sex. A partner's attention and care can drastically change the the desire dynamic. Simple steps that will help get curious and ask each other the basics. Ask each other what matters and what can I do? and Identify the issues that might be getting in the way and discuss solutions. Explore your self-sustaining frequency. As in, it's back to the conversation. All right, number five of the eight things. Men and women tend to have different insecurities that often go unrecognized and the process of sex can create hurt or bring healing. Our spouse probably doesn't just have different core insecurities, but different core emotional needs. So truth number one for this one, men and women tend to report markedly different emotional factors under the surface. Truth number two, sex and the process of getting there may mean different, something different to your spouse. Actually, I almost guarantee it does. Sex and the context into which it fits has an emotional meaning that goes far beyond the physical act. We are speaking directly to the vulnerability in our spouse and sending a message. Truth number three, women are more likely to feel that sex begins in the kitchen. And If you're curious about what that means, Read the book. It's really, really good. You can also look at Kevin Lehman's book, Sex Begins in the Kitchen. She explains it as well, but it's a great principle to learn. Truth number four, men are more likely to feel that sex brings closeness and become more affectionate as a result. So true. And truth number five, other insecurities can impact how we feel about sex. So how do we create security to connect sexually? learn your spouse and yourself practice more uh, get encouragement and support from others that's careful who you get support and encouragement from but yes advisors counselors talk about what matters together as a couple in a solution focused way care for the underlying emotions especially when the answer is no to protect the relationship not just have no and that resistance it can be unhealthy So again, hope these are helpful for you. Uh, Number six of eight, to make sex more erotic and emotionally meaningful, curiosity and playfulness are more important than perfect technique. And we've seen that word curiosity show up already a few times. So finding in this, finding number one is sincere curiosity stirs up a host of positive sex and marriage outcomes. Finding number two, curiosity is one of the most direct ways of showing that you care. Just as lack of curiosity signals the opposite. Fact number three, curiosity reduces anxiety and makes sex more playful and erotic. Finding number four, curiosity keeps things fresh and allows you to notice things you might have missed. And finding number five, demonstrating curiosity is simpler than you may think. Very, very important principle here number six. All right, number seven of eight having a comfortable way to signal and receive openness or interest in a way that is genuine to each of you will create connection and prevent much pain. So how can we do this signal and receive openness? Skill number one, send a signal to create a spark. Got to communicate. Skill number two, make sure the signal is not just being sent, but received well. So they need to actually Uh, Know what it means and be able to interpret it right. Skill number three, clarify what you are sparking. What are you requesting? And skill number four, know how to to say and to receive a no. That's maturity. And the final one, eight of the eight, accepting that your spouse isn't everything you wanted, let you enjoy what you've got. This is an interesting one. Accepting that your spouse isn't everything you wanted. They're not perfect. And you can easily in your mind go way off the rails when you miss this one. So, step number one to do this, realize that change is up to you. Step number two, grieve what is not the way you wished. Number three, extend grace. And number four, honor them. And these are the eight surprises that make all the difference in the book Secrets of Sex and Marriage from Shanti Felden and Dr. Michael Seitzman I highly recommend getting this book. Use it as a Bible study. Use it in a group. Use it as a couple. This is a great resource that can really, really um, uh, revolutionize your relationship. Blessings. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.